It's currently 7 o'clock p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. The date is August 15th in the sixth year of the Age of the Blood Force, and you are listening to KBFR. This is Blood Force Radio. Recently, a number of loud explosions have been heard throughout San Francisco. They happen at all hours of the day and at night, disturbing our sleep and making everybody just generally really, really irritable. After some investigation, intern Tammy has discovered the culprits. On his last trip through the Blood Forest, Canada Steve discovered some discarded 4th of July fireworks, and for reasons unbeknownst to God or man, he brought them back to the city, whereupon they were purchased by a group of urchins and ne'er-do-wells. They were led, of course, by Honeybean, the feral orphan girl who recently orchestrated the burst fly attack at the Alcalde's party. Typical. Kids will be kids, I guess, but the youth of today goes above and beyond when it comes to juvenile shenanigans. I suppose that's to be expected. Civilization has collapsed, after all. And beyond the walls of our city, chaos reigns. Speaking of random explosions disrupting the lives of sane people, there have been mysterious booms coming from the north, beyond the Richmond-San Rafael Bridge. Sounds like our beloved city's self-proclaimed archenemy, the Iron Lord of San Quentin, is up to his old tricks. And by tricks, I mean experimentation with fun new forms of chemical warfare possibly just a meth lab blowing up. Serious neighbor to the north is not known for his sanity. In fact, it's hard to say what he's known for, or even what his name is, what he looks like, or anything about him. The blockade in San Pablo Bay is, and still remains, as impenetrable as a Mormon schoolgirl on the night of the senior prom, and to make matters worse, the Iron Lord recently mounted some seriously heavy-duty artillery on the Richmond-San Rafael Bridge, so it's probably a good idea to stay away from that whole end of the bay for a little while. Of course, the blockade to the north cuts off all access to the Sacramento Delta and the Central Valley, which isn't that much of a loss, because let's face it, Fresno and Stockton were post-apocalyptic wastelands before the coming of the Blue Forest. By the way, have you read any of the propaganda that keeps washing up on shore? You know, the crazy messages that the Iron Lord uses to try to convert us to his cause? I'm sure you have. Here, 
I'll read some to you. <clears throat> Praise be to the Iron Lord of San Quentin, from whom all bounty spreads. Praise be to the Lord of the Crypts, the Bloods, the Nortenos and the Sureños, the bringer of peace between gangs and the bestower of justice, who slew the Aryan Brotherhood, who threw the Hell's Angels to the Sharks in the third year of the Blood Forest. He is all watching and punishes the unworthy. Under his reign, all thrive. All persons receive 2,000 calories a day, exactly the daily allotment as required to maintain a healthy diet and whose citizens enjoy many recreational tasks, such as ping-pong and watching DVDs. So join him and praise him. All who swell the armies of the Iron Lord shall be rewarded with turnips and whiskey. All who refuse shall have the earth watered with their tears. Hmm. Turnips and whiskey, eh? Sounds like a pretty sweet deal. But is it worth the price of living in a fascist dictatorship run by an insane man who wears an iron mask and carries an electrified razor wire whip, as local legend states? Jury's still out on this one, but as for me, my response to this invitation can best be described as let's nope. And now, a brief reminder about emptying bags of human feces over the wall and into the blood forest. Listen, I know we've all done it once or twice. It's like picking your boogers. No one wants to admit they do it, but everyone still does. And I understand that mixing your dried up crap with water and churning it into fertilizer is a chore that nobody likes. That being said, the blood force is not an incinerator. Things don't just get automatically destroyed when you throw them in there. When we say that the blood force is all devouring, it's a metaphor. Trust me, there's some stuff that even the blood forest won't touch. And especially talking to the person or persons who keep dumping shit over the Kearney Street wall at the intersection of Kearney and Union, which, need I remind you, is one block away from where I live. Ordinarily, I wouldn't mind that much, but that pile is now five feet high and rising, and the smell is best described as haunting. And I mean that literally. It is like a bunch of ghosts raping my nostrils. So, dear unidentified listener, please note that while I am a patient man, I also have a great deal of time on my hands, as well as an armory that a redneck serial killer would envy. I don't want to spend my entire night lurking at the top of Coit Tower with a pair of infrared goggles and a crossbow, waiting for you to show your face. I have much better things to do. But if you keep adding more anal secretions to your feculent shit heap, let me remind you that, like God, I am ever watching, and I am vengeful. Intern Tammy just came in and handed me a piece of paper. Well, listeners, looks like there's been some breaking news. You know Captain Squidwardo, the crab fisherman? I know, I know. His real name is Eduardo Martinez, and he hates to be called that, but he's a tall, bald man with a big nose and a perpetually grumpy expression, so yeah. Real Squidward-looking motherfucker. Anyway, sounds like he's been kidnapped. By pirates. The Iron Lord of San Quentin appears to have mobilized a naval strike force, and Captain Squidward must have strayed a little too close to their territory. The pirates have been described as four very large men with prison tattoos and the gimlet-eyed gazes of hardened convicts. 
They took Captain Squidwardo and his nephew hostage and sent the other member of his crew, Crabclaw Jimmy, back to San Francisco to negotiate with the Alcalde for ransom. In addition, they sent along a letter from a man who claims to be the Iron Lord's personal secretary, majordomo, and right-hand man, a fellow who goes by the terrifying name of Billy the Clown. We're dealing with clowns here, people. This is not a joke. Clowns. I won't say we should panic, but we should definitely be afraid. Very afraid. The letter reads, The Iron Lord of San Quentin is both the bestower of mercy and the inflictor of pain. He is the arbiter of justice and punishment, and he does not take the encroachment of the cowardly and evil men of the city lightly. The large-nosed man you call Captain Squidwardo is a spy sent to prepare an assault on the territory of the Iron Lord. We have detained him and his shorter, small-nosed relative. But the Iron Lord, in his benevolent mercy, is willing to negotiate for the large-nosed man's release. Send a representative of your city, unarmed, to the visitor center on Angel Island. But be warned, should we suspect any treachery, we will kill your ambassador and festoon his intestines with Christmas lights, then string them from the Richmond San Rafael Bridge as a warning. Do not provoke us. Justice will prevail. Well, that is most certainly a thing. More on this story as it develops. And now, a public service announcement from Lieutenant Michaela Winry of the Blood Forest Reclamation Brigade. Please stop sending complaints about the ongoing plague of nightmares to the BFRB. While the BFRB's duties are widespread and manifold, they do not include nightmare plagues. They cannot save you from nightmare plagues. They cannot protect you from nightmare plagues. They cannot do anything about nightmare plagues whatsoever, so please stop bothering them about nightmare plagues. As Winry puts it, we have legitimate shit to do. You can't come to your house and hold your hand whenever you have a bad dream. Remember, it is all in your head. If I might be permitted a moment to editorialize listeners, well, duh. Where else would nightmares be? Now, granted, the idea of a plague of nightmares sounds ridiculous, but is it any more ridiculous than a meteor-born alien spore landing on Earth and creating a forest that spans the globe and devours all? Yes, it sounds insane. But this is not the age of sanity. We are long past sanity by now. We have gone so far beyond sanity that we have circled all the way back around to sanity, crawled up Sanity's asshole and clawed our way through its digestive system and burst through the abdominal wall like the motherfucking chestburster from Aliens. Now is not the time for Sanity. Now is a time for action. All complaints should be directed to that shiny tooth, holier-than-thou motherfucker Brad at the BFRB. We're getting word that the Alcalde's representative, City Councilman Wilmington Price, just returned from Angel Island where he met with his counterparts from San Quentin. I've just been handed a report from Tammy, and let me tell you, it's harrowing stuff. Councilman Price went to Angela Island alone and unarmed, kayaking solo across the chill waters of San Francisco Bay. It was a cold summer night. The air hung heavy over him. His breath steamed before him. The only sources of illumination were Councilman Price's LED headlamp the gibbous moon rising orangely over Mount Diablo. Other than that, 
It was perfectly silent and perfectly still, save for the lapping of the bay against the councilman's kite and the whisper and slice of his paddle blades through the water. He was afraid, not because of the darkness of the night or the coldness of the water, but because of what lay before him. For Councilman Price is an expert kayaker and a passable dentist, but that is no defense against the shadow of the unknown that loomed to the north. When he arrived on the shore of Angel Island, he saw, illuminated in the torchlight, representatives of the Iron Lord of San Quentin. They were not alone, and they were not unarmed. Two of them were giants, long-haired warriors whose muscled arms bulged with wings. They carried massive spiked clubs, and they looked like they would be willing to use them at any opportunity. One of the men was as black as a statue carved of obsidian, and his hair was bleached long, like bones in the desert. The other had skin as pale as ice, with blue eyes to match. His hair was like a hole in a frozen lake, utterly black. But those men, as frightening as they were, were not the ones that made Councilman Price shiver with fear. Instead, it was the man in the middle. He was short and Japanese and perfectly ordinary looking save for the pair of katanas that hung at his side, save for the tattoo of a dragon that coiled around his right forearm, save for the fact that he had only four fingers on each hand. As Councilman Price approached the men, fear and trepidation building in his heart, the third man said, My name is Kosuke Watanabe of the Watanabe Yakuza clan. I have the honor of being a vassal of the Iron Lord of San Quentin, and I am prepared to negotiate with you for the release of the man you call Captain Squidwardo. I thought you said you would be unarmed, said Councilman Price. No, we demanded that you be unarmed, replied Watanabe. You are, aren't you? Councilman Price nodded. And then Kosuke Watanabe said, Then we will proceed with the negotiations. But be warned, our price is high, and we will accept nothing less. What is your price, then? asked the councilman. A cold light came on in the Yakuza's eyes. A light that can only be described as cruel and hungry. Food, he said. We'll have more on this story as it develops. But first, let's go to some reader letters. This first letter comes from one of our youngest listeners. From what I can tell, it was crudely written in what appears to be a mixture of ballpoint pen, yellow highlighter, and sriracha. Dear Mr. Blood Forest Radio, my name is Billy, I am seven years old, and I really like your show, it is my most favorite, I listen to it all the time. I did a drawing of you fitting a giant bee, and I attached it to this letter. My only questing is, sometimes you say words like fuck and shit and cock-gargling face whore, and I don't know what they mean? I asked my mom, but she just turned Al red and wouldn't answer me. So my question is, what do Al these words mean? Your friend, Billy, age seven. 
Well, Billy, this picture of a bee is, um, well, it's almost certainly a bee. But I wonder what it's doing. Is it stinging someone? Flying the flag of Venezuela? Maybe it's just enjoying a slice of cherry pie. Anyway, very sweet. Thank you. Now, those words you just asked about are old and powerful. The kind used by the old wizards of the New York to rebuke their enemies. So if you're ever really angry with someone, and only really, really angry, let her rip. For this next letter, I will use an accent. Because, as far as I can tell, this letter was written in an accent. It's hard for mere letters to have accents unless you count those fiddly little things above letters in Spanish and French. This one certainly manages it. BFR, I'd just like to say thanks. Thanks for going through all the trouble. I mean, things are bad right now, real bad, but you're just doing it, you know? You're really doing it. That makes my day, man. It makes my day knowing there's a guy out there who's really doing it. Thanks, man. From Anonymous. I appreciate the gesture, kind listener, but technically, I am not doing it. I have not done it since my girlfriend left me 10 years ago with a three-year-old baby and so much debt. To show you how much I am not doing it, I will break down my itinerary for the day. 3.40 p.m. Wake up. 4 o'clock. Yell at Tammy because I am out of toilet paper and she has not bought or made any more. 4.20. Blaze. 4.45. Blaze again. 5 o'clock to 6.30. Work on my unpublished screenplay, a dark, gritty, erotically charged reboot of The Family Circus. 6.30, think about bats for half an hour. 7 o'clock, do this show. And after I finish from now until about sunrise, I plan to have a private party with my three best friends, Johnny Walker, Jack Daniels, and Mordecai Prison Toilet Wine, who I believe is of the Hertfordshire Prison Toilet Wines. Very old family, great chaps. It seems that the saga of the kidnapping of Captain Squidward and his nephew has come to a close after a long and drawn-out negotiation between both parties. After returning from Angel Island, Councilman Wilmington Price and the Alcalde loaded several boats with all the food we could spare, which is actually quite a bit. Our food supply is high. The rooftops of Soma are covered with gardens, and everyday fish and crabs and clams and other such slimy ocean foods are piled high along the Embarcadero. Thank Jesus, Allah, Buddha, and Gaia for hipsters and hippies, the creators of the urban farming movement, because without them, we would have been royally fucked beyond belief. When the boats arrived on Angel Island, there, along with about 20 cons with lean faces and haunted eyes, were Captain Squidwardo and his nephew, bruised and battered, certainly, none the worse for wear. Listeners, I have to admit, I feel sort of bad for the people of San Quentin. Sure, they're murderers, thieves, rapists, and nonviolent drug offenders. 
They bleed the same color as the rest of us. After all, but for random happenstance, we might be in the same situation. Not ruled by a strong, intelligent, beloved Alcalde, but by a fascist dictator in an iron mask who kidnaps seamen and floods our shores with poorly worded propaganda. Instead of feasting on hipster-harvested fruits and vegetables, we might be reduced to starvation ourselves, because the universe is a cold, cruel, unforgiving place with no order or justice. Sure, good things happen to good people, and bad things happen to bad people, some of the time. But good things don't happen because we're good, and vice versa. For every criminal sent to prison, there is an innocent man who has been condemned to death. For every person who is happy and sheltered and well-fed, there is someone out in the rain starving. For every happy family out there, there is a girl who has lost her parents, or a father who has lost his child. The only order and justice and happiness that exists in this world is that which we make. Because out there, beyond the little world we've created for ourselves, there is nothing but darkness and emptiness and cold. I think that's enough for tonight. There's not much more for me to say. Night has fallen once again, and the city sleeps. Sleep well, everyone, because another day is ahead, but always remember, it's only in the darkness that we can see the stars. And remember, I'm not saying goodbye. I'm just saying good night. Blood Forest Radio is written by Ian P. Johnson and Daniel Lindsley and performed by Ian P. Johnson. Music for Blood Forest Radio is provided by Tim and Derek Hammersley. Have a question or a comment that you want Ian to answer during the letter section? Send it in character to letters at bloodforestradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. The fear of the day is phallophytophobia. The fear of dick snakes. Thank you.